Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily. This is Jack Posobiec, your host. And today, like we're doing throughout this period right now, um, sort of between Christmas, between New Year's, we're taking some time out from the day-to-day, the hectic news cycle to really step back and bring some people on, some important voices on, important thinkers to understand where we're going take a step back, 30,000 foot view and have a strategic sit down. And I said, who better than the chess master himself to, for, to do a strategic sit down with? Uh, we've got Steve Bannon, the head of the War Room podcast. Um, he was the chief strategist for the White House and the Trump administration. I think he needs no uh, the further introduction. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Oh, I, I got to ask a question, though. Yes. Well, I'm I'm so used to having you in the war room or to have you Skyped in from your home or your your terrific studio on Capitol Hill, but you look like you're in a five star. St- is is Charlie? <laughs> no, is Charlie got like the special digs? That looks like you're at CBS or MSNBC. This is this is a, we're in this the Turning Point big, Mothership. This looks big league. I got yeah. Charlie this is the Clark Turning Point Mothership. It looks, it looks like the Starship Enterprise out there. It's it's amazing, and this is only the first studio. So for people um, who are only listening to the podcast, you really have to see this one because I think it'll sound better. Number one, but also, I mean, you see the setup here, Steve. By the way, this is only the temporary studio you should see the thing that he's building out um it's going to be it's going to be full full you know i guess you could say tucker level or even beyond that and um the stage over that we've just done for the america fest it's the biggest stage in all of conservatism you've never seen a bigger stage in conservatism this entire movement i think and i think that when uh uh when a certain guy at mar-a-lago sees the stage he's going to be hey i want one of those (laughs) yeah exactly and why was and why wasn't I there? The more important. All right, right, right. So, yeah. but the the big thing though is, you know, talking about how you know where people are. But we always sort of talk around this. We dance around this. We get into it a little bit, and then we always hit a break when we're on war room or we're doing something else. And the question that I have is, you know, how did we get to where we are? How did we arrive at this moment? And then what do we do, right? You know, because you hear the one side and it's all managed decline, it's managed decline, Thucydides trap, you know, we are the empire in decline, we are the the system in decline, the regime is just there to sort of manage this down, see if we can, you know, is Ukraine going to come with us? Can we get a couple of things that, you know, while the place is falling apart? Or is there a possibility for the people of this country, the people who love freedom and embrace freedom around the world to actually stand up and say, no, we don't want to go into that dark night. And if so, what does that look like? Um, and it is a bigger question. And so I thought I, I couldn't think of a bigger thinker well, on these look, type of things it, than you. Let me, let me talk about how you turn it around. Uh, you just said how we're going to turn it around. What you and Charlie Kirk and, uh, and Turning Point, uh, look, the, the great thing about what you guys are doing, what I love about it, and I, you know, I've sent obviously my daughter and all the younger members of our team out there to be engaged in this is young people have to be involved. Young people have to understand they have not just a stake, they have the stake in this turnaround uh, or, or from this 40 or 50 year decline of the Judeo-Christian West. And we are in managed decline. We're about to go to unmanaged decline. Managed decline has been bad enough. But right now, of all those different aspects you see every day, the Biden administration and things that are happening in Europe, we're about to go into free fall decline. And what's going to turn it around are patriots and sovereigntists, whether they're in India, Italy, the United Kingdom, France, Brazil, the United States, Australia, Japan. This is what's going to turn this around, and it's going to be led by young people. I keep saying young people are are the new greatest generation. 
We've been in managed decline now for 40 or 50 years. And the reason is since World War II and, and or from the, I guess, the early or mid 60s, because we lost confidence in our underlying values. Jack, you and I talk about this a lot. And it's one of the reasons I so love Eastern Europe and I particularly love uh, the, the captured, the captive nations of Eastern Europe and the, and the Poles particularly, because they, for so many years, uh, really so many centuries, uh, have understood how precious liberty is. Look, I, I did the numbers on that, Steve. It was, it's it for 173 of the last 200 years, Poland was either, either partitioned, occupied, annexed, or controlled by a communist regime, you know, some foreign occupying power for 173 of the past 200 years. And that you look at Poland now since the 1990s, when they are threatened, when everybody, anybody comes at them, whether it's economically or whether it's physically with these caravans, you will not find any country, really, I think anywhere in the world, maybe, maybe Israel, that more fiercely defends their borders and defends their people. Yeah, never again. I mean, when we say, when you just said all that about uh, people having control, and be, that means you're a battlefield. You're continue. You have no stability, no civic society. You're always people cannot feel comfortable. You've always got the specter of destruction or total control uh, over over your life and your children's lives. This is what those people understand what what sovereignty and liberty is, and I think that's what's divine providence works in mysterious ways, and it was providential that the election got stolen on November 3rd, like it was providential Trump won in, in 2016, because now the mask is off. We see exactly what they are. You see these globalists and how they're in business with the Chinese Communist Party. It's it's all out there. You've seen the struggle sessions. You've seen the cultural Marxism. You've seen the atheism. You know, they, they, the, the, the absolute disregard for our sovereignty on the southern border and then geopolitically and with our finances, it's all out there. And that's why nobody, you can't be in the middle anymore. You got to be on one side or the other, right? You have to be. You have to be on one side. You have to be. You either have to be with us, or you have to be with the other side. Well, you know, and, it's and amazing that, that um, the great, the great Libby Emmons from um, Post Millennial had a quote that when we were on Tim Pool's show the other night, and she said, "You know, it used to be that we all had the same goal. We just had different ideas about how to get there." But now it seems that only one side still has that original goal, and the other side has a completely separate goal in mind. It's no doubt. I mean, these are two different, these are two different, totally different worldviews. First off, our worldview is not just based upon religion, it's based upon upon an understanding of man as a spiritual being and man as as endowed with the uh, uh, endowed with a, a, the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's not the other side. The other side is completely materialistic, totally atheistic. Um, only believes in the here and now. All of their efforts, or that all their meanness and anger is driven by that. So this couldn't be clearer. That's why I think, and that's what I like about this younger generation. A lot of the older people are sitting there going, hey, this is tough. I want to do it. Don't get me wrong. We got great patriots that are older, and so many of the older people in our audience are just fantastic. But it's with the young that I'm seeing this kind of fierceness. And you're going I mean, to need Steve, this, this, this turning not going point. To We're not going to turn this around in three or four years. It's not any one election. It's deeper, much deeper than winning elections, although they're very important. It's actually about uh, uh, it's actually about implementing change at yeah. a very fundamental level. And that is, as you know, Jack, extremely hard. Well, and something that I see so much with, you know, I'm kind of like an elder millennial, I guess, you know, 1980s, early 80s. 
And one thing that I see with my generation is the wealth formation isn't happening. The family formation isn't happening. It's been delayed. It's been delayed. It's been delayed. You know, people are watching these shows like Sex in the City and other ones out there where they're not building families. And it says, hey, go have your career, go live your life, go have fun. But Candace Bushnell, the, the creator of Sex in the City, came out and said, you know, I actually regret that I chose career over having a family. And yet, why were they even pushing that in the first place to say that you had to have a career, you had to go into debt, you had to go to school, and then, you know, the financial crisis hit. So they said, well, what are you going to do? And I, I remember, Steve, my friend saying, oh, well, no, it's it's no problem if there's no jobs. I'm just going to go into go into more debt, and then I'm going to go get a master's or I'm going to get my PhD. I'm going to stay in school because at least here I'm in my cocoon. I'm safe. So now finally, the, econo the economy starts getting it back under its feet after 2016. But you're now saddled with thousands and thousands of dollars of debt. And I and the family formation isn't happening. The home ownership isn't happening. But I do see, though, you know, so much depression going on in that group. I see so many, so many just just people realizing that, you know, they were given this dream. They were given this ideal of, hey, you follow this path and then you'll be successful. And they're realizing that the window is closing, right? The window for all of those things, like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now because you're talking to people that are looking at 40 and saying, hey, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to get done all this stuff. How come it never got done? But then Zoomers now, and this is what's so interesting, Zoomers have that as an example. It's their older brother. It's their older sister that was going through this. And they're saying, you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know if that's the way I want to go. And we just sold, Steve, there were 10,000 people at this America Fest. Every seat was filled, standing room only, and it was all Zoomers, college age, high school kids who were there. There was, I mean, it, you couldn't find anything else like this they, in the world. They, they, they thirst for this. That's where I think that, and it's interesting, that the arc of, of Charlie Kirk and, and Tucker Carlson. You know, Charlie came from, a, you know, he's a libertarian, but also a much more, I think, of a conventional uh, limit. I remember when he first started Turning Point, he would go talk to some of the donors I knew, and his pitch was, fairly conventional as far as getting people engaged, kids engaged, libertarian, uh, limited government conservative, uh, many of the same types of things Republicans talked about all the time, uh, and, and, and to take over student bodies and, 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 and you know, the school, the political systems of the school, colleges. Tucker, the same thing. Tucker had been around for 20 years, you know, before Daily Caller, and MSNBC and mm -hmm. Fox News, other shows. Both of those guys today are fire-breathing, anti-establishment, populist nationalists. They're not classic Republicans. I, I don't really know of anybody that's more of a fire-breathing populist than Charlie Kirk. Uh, I mean, he's quite frankly amazing. People are thirsting for that. You're seeing, the, you're seeing that intensity, that urgency, that focus is not just enervating people. It, 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 is, it, is, it is bringing them to a cause, and that cause is sovereignty and, and our nation, this 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 incredible constitutional republic that was bequeathed to us. And of course, according to Burke, we owe as much to those that came before us as we owe to future generations. That's why I think you're seeing this younger generation that is dawning on them that systemically the way the system works is you're nothing but a Russian serf. You're better fed. You have more access to information. Uh, you're in better shape. But you don't own anything. and You're not going to own anything. And, and, and there's more of a concentration of wealth, and you're just going to pay the rent on the asset, whether it's a, whether it's a house or an apartment. And you're just on this kind of wheel, the wheel of samsara. And you, they give you a little bit of credit, and you get a little more credit as you work harder, but you're on a, just a continual wheel, like a, like a hamster. 
I think people are coming to the awakening to the fact that that's not how it has to be. And in fact, it can't be free men and women cannot live in a society like that because that's really just building a kind of a, 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 a proletariat. And that's not what we're about. That's what you know from your Polish descent and Irish descent that that's what we, you know, my family, that's what we left Europe. We didn't want that. That was the system they had in place, oligarchs, aristocracy. We left that system. In our DNA is to reject that. That's what got us here generations ago. And I think young people today, more than ever, in particular people engaged, and it doesn't take a lot. When you talk about AmFest having 10,000 and Turning Point, all these people, a 10,000-person cadre right now in this country, informed, motivated, and using its agency can change the world. And it is changing the world. It was those people who stood in the breach and they had a message. They're not going to win and they don't have to win. It's not inevitable that they're going to win. Although they own, they control high culture, pop culture, Hollywood media, the tech oligarchs, the woke corporations, they, they control every branch of our government. The national security state doesn't mean that they're one and doesn't mean we're going to agree that we're going to allow them to well, win. They, you know, this was the this was the Marcusean strategy, right? This was the long march through the institutions. Well, I think that for me, you know, and I've been thinking about this, is that what we need is the long march through the people, the long march through the people of the United States, the people of the United Kingdom, the people of India, the people of uh, Japan, the people, by the way, of China, the Lao Beijing of China that I got to meet and I got to know when I lived there. I remember my host family. I remember the people I met. They're not they're not some fire breathing, card carrying communist, right? They just want to have their families and raise their kids. They would like they would have liked to have, you know, two kids, right? They were only allowed to have one. They're starting to open that up now, but they want the same things fundamentally that we want. And they realize that it's the government structures, the regimes, this sort of anti, you know, anti-progress type of mentality that's been imposed in front of them. That's really what's driving all of this. And so, of course, well, with China, it was, you know, it was the CCP. This was it was out in the open. It wasn't sort you, of hidden you, the way you, it was in the U.S. You bring a good point. Just for our audience, because people, a lot of people may not realize Jack's fluent in Mandarin as a, a former naval intelligence officer. Specialty is is uh, the Chinese military in China. Lao Beijing is this term that we use. It stands for old hundred names. Right. And old hundred names in China is basically the common man. That's a hundred last names, essentially, in Chinese. It's been a saying they've used for millennia. Old hundred names. That's the little guy that's always getting screwed over by the imperial powers. There is a global Lao Beijing. You know, Jack and I, have, because we're naval officers, had the opportunity to travel the world. I've done it for business and at Goldman Sachs afterwards. There's a global Lao Beijing. I come from American Lao Beijing. Just my dad is the, you know, the the, the prototypical uh, blue collar uh, father, right? Who who never went to college, uh, who who just worked hard as far as alignment of the phone company, eventually became a foreman, and then got into lower level management towards the end of his 50 year career. As a as a as a phone company guy, uh, but he's uh, and and what does global Lao Beijing want? They want family formation. They 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 want to they want to get married, you know, man and wife, uh, have the traditional family, children, but have a have a income that if their spouse doesn't want to work, doesn't have to work, that you can live on one income, and the other spouse focuses on raising the family, and this is a global. This is a global drive. And these people just want to be left alone. They're, they're, they're all patriotic. They love their countries. They love their families. They just want to be left alone. 
And, 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 and that's where you're going to get prosperity and peace. And this can happen. But right now, we've allowed this to deteriorate because of technology and capital and the concentrations of both. There's something that the framers would be revolted at. They, they, this is not what they fought the American Revolution for. This is not this oligarchy. They would come back here and go, have you guys lost your minds? Well, Steve, we you know, th it's interesting. It's a landed aristocracy in England. We, you, what have you guys allowed to happen? Because we, we also point out that the founders were very careful to not make the American Revolution and then the American Constitution into something that the French Revolution turned into, right? So the French Revolution, they overthrow the monarchs. And then the guillotine start rolling out and the priests start going and, 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 and Notre Dame gets turned over. And that's not what the American founders are about. It was about traditionalism. Yes. Remember, the French Revolution, it was the social order, just like Mao. Remember, the French Revolution is the railhead of all the communist revolutions, the Bolsheviks yes. afterwards, the Nazis go after the, the traditional family. Yes, they go off the aristocracy too. But if you look at the French Revolution, the real revolutionaries was we have to break the core of society, right? We will redo the calendar, the days of the week. Uh, you know, we'll get rid of religion. And they and took Notre Dame and turned it into a temple to reason, right? The cult, the cult of reason. Cult, and this is so important. This every and the the our founders did the exact. It was a political revolution, not a social revolution in that regard. We're the heirs to that, but we've let that slip away as we've let the power of technology. And this is one of the things that we now preach on the show all the time is this thing called transhumanism. Yes. Is that you're seeing, and this is why I say climate change is another misdirection play. Is climate change, hey, I'm not still sure of the math about it. I'm still not convinced of it, whether it's it is more is the, the cycles of the sun or human efforts, but hey. There's an argument you can have and you can understand more. But one thing I do know is we are hurtling towards something that is so revolutionary at this time when globalization has totally changed the planet and you have patriots sitting there for their sovereignty, fighting for the sovereignty of their own countries, of their own nation makes decisions. At the same time, you're having this exponential acceleration in technology in these verticals of biotechnology, advanced chip design, robotics and artificial intelligence, and quantum computing. You combine those five, we have, and every day you see these radical changes. And I got to tell you, Jack, it's the thing that worries me. The battle I know we're going to win is to take our country back. On that one, it's going to be tough. Well, it's going to be hard. We use, but this whole concept of human 2.0 is something that scares me to the core of my being because that is one right now that is ours. We're fighting this other fight that is so out of control. Elon Musk, and I realize at AmFest, I'm sure Elon Musk gets 90% <laughs> approval, but here's the reality. Time Magazine and the Financial Times, for the first time, I think, ever, and I followed these two for my 60. They both named him. They both. They both named me man of the year. Right. And his number one thing is not Tesla. It's not the rocket ships. He does all that. But he's the greatest engineer of his generation. He's the Thomas Edison of his generation. Everybody agrees that. This guy's a brilliant engineer. His number one thing he's focused on, he tells everybody, is Neuralink. It's the chip design in your brain. And he's going right. to have a chip in your brain by November of 2022. That is upon us. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a game changer.
Right. So when you when you have, you know, it's it, Oculus, right, and Palmer Lucky and everything, the video games that he set up, you know, that that's a stepping stone. The real goal is that, you know, and when they say you're not going to own anything, oh, you will own things, right? You'll just own them in the virtual space. You'll own them and own them in Mark Zuckerberg's world because you'll be living in some little cubicle type uh, commune apartment, Soviet block housing kind of thing, while the drugs are free flowing throughout the streets, the crime, the decline of our city is all around us, all around you, but you won't even know because you'll have your Neuralink and you'll be plugged right into Mark Zuckerberg's world and then you're going to have all the fact checkers and all the censors and the regime overlords and oligarchs on top of this. You won't know and more importantly, Jack, you won't care. The new drug will be, be, you know, the new spice from Dune. The new spice. The spice must flow. The spice must flow. Very profound novel. Very profound what he was trying to tell us and trying Fear to Fear is about. the mind killer. I'm telling you that meta, now that's one aspect of transhumanism. And you're talking about the whole digital self, right? In the sense, remember, transhumanism as its core is post-homo sapien, homo sapien plus. And the well, two Harari writes uh, homo deus. Homo deus. God, you know, the man is God. Man is God. The God you got man. life extension and you have life augmentation, a human augmentation and life extension. That's where it kind of converges to a degree in what Elon Musk is working with at Neuralink. It's both massive human augmentation that takes what what Palmer Lucky and those guys worked in virtual reality is, is like, uh, you know, ancient. That's like the that's like the Bronze Age of this, right? Very right. early on, although. Palmer Lucky is a genius. And what those guys are a genius, the metaverse and what you're going to see on just your computer, even getting away from it's going to be the embodied internet is also just another, another step, but still like, uh, you know, the bronze age plus the chips themselves and artificial general intelligence. Once that with the biotechnology with, you know, CRISPR and the ability to change your, change your basically DNA then you're talking about when I say human extension, life extension, immortality, augmentation, something augmented beyond Homo sapien, and then when you combine it with CRISPR and biotechnology, you're talking about home, uh, human 2.0. That will be for people at Amfest. That is going to be the, in the lived experience of your life. I think it's going to be the lived experience of my life, but it's definitely going to be the lived experience of your life. And that's when all politics, culture, and society. Politics will change. This is, and, and, and hear me now in December of 2021. This will be one of the most important issues, I think, in 2024 at the latest of future politics is this whole concept of homo sapiens, human 2.0 or homo sapiens. Well, and, and Steve, though, the way that we have to look at this, and, and I was a naval officer, you were a naval officer, look. We know that if you go back not very long in our past, we had something called the Industrial Revolution. And the Industrial Revolution led to some of the greatest wars that this planet has ever seen. Devastation and destruction of an industrial scale. And Tesla predicted this. He said, you will live to see man-made horrors beyond your comprehension. That's what Tesla said. And when I see this type of technology, and I remember, and it was Vladimir Putin who said it, whoever wins the arms, the arms race of AI will control the world. So you add this, the element of space in that, obviously, you add the satellites, you add the mining, then you also add the element of AI into this. And I just think, 
of how all of this technology, and of course, when Elon Musk talks about it, when all these people talk about it, they say, oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be amazing. But I also remember the same way that I heard them talking about, oh, we're just going to, you know, we're going to take these viruses and we're going to bring them to a lab of Wuhan and we're going to gain, give them gain of function. This is going to be used for warfare. That's my so point. point. This is Schmidt and Kissinger's new book called right, AI. From Google, right. Basically says it's more important or as important as the age of reason. But the other book that's disturbing just came out, Jack, to your point, I Warbot. And yes, exactly. This is a must read. The art, the dawn, the dawn of artificial intelligence, artificially intelligent conflict. And you've summed it up. Let's step back for a second to the Industrial Revolution. When the steam engine, what, in the in the early part of the 19th century, the conflicts were horrible and the Napoleonic War and all that was horrible. But look at just the change in a couple of decades of the Civil War. The reason that the slaughter in the Civil War was so horrific is Jack's point. Technology started to get ahead of the tactics, the strategy, the concept. The reason the American Civil right, that's War- That's how you're able to have light infantry. Yeah, they, they all fought in Napoleonic terms, but now you actually had the weaponry and the machinery to do it. And that's what leading into the 20th century. I think Jack's completely right. I would love to be able to say that all of this- is going to be sweetness and light and we're going to take half time off and you know we're going to have to worry the biggest thing we're going to, have to worry about is guaranteed uh the guaranteed income because you're going to have so much leisure right i don't think that's going to work out i think it's going to work out yeah, unfortunately if there's anything if you read your bible you know that human nature has not changed in five thousand years human nature has not changed since the fall it is immutable hobbes is right about this the bible is right about this and that is why it was handed down to us it is a necessary manual and a guideline for your life in any time in any and, and by the way and i do say this and i don't know if charlie would agree with me when i say this but imagine if christ came today right? He would be using these exact terms to explain this to us. He'd be talking about DNA and he'd be talking about dimensionality. He would be, because he's using the understanding of the people that he's speaking to, to be able to, that's why he speaks in parables. He uses the power of a story. He talks about the mustard because that was a nomadic desert culture that he was talking to. If he came back 2021, if he came today and he was teaching us again, these are the exact terms that he would be using. And also about the Bible, and I think this is the thing that haunts me the most about all this when, when I study it and when and we're in the middle of it. There was a time when, when, when Christ sent out, I think it's in Mark, that sent out uh, the disciples and the apostles to go out and teach on their own for a while. And they came back and a couple of them said, you know, we've been doing some small miracles and healing people, but they keep saying that you gave us this power because you're Beelzebub. Right, you're 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 from a, you're a dark power, and that's how we are able to do this. And it's all some sort of trick. And he said, "Look, don't worry what people say about you. Don't don't ever worry about that. You can overcome that." And and don't and they were very upset that they had talked against Christ Himself. He says, "Don't worry what anybody says about me. That's never a point." And he takes a pause as they think about it. And he says, "Look, I want to tell you, there's only one unforgivable sin. There's only one yes. eternal sin." Yes. And that is the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And every Christian apologist I've ever read has never been able to explain that enough to make sense until we're here now. The fundamental difference in what we're doing is that we are endowed by the Holy Spirit. We're embodied, we are a temple for the Holy Spirit. The merger of silicon and chips and change DNA and biotechnology, man playing God, 
and regenerative robotics and artificial intelligence, that is not touched or endowed by the Holy Spirit. That is the fundamental line of demarcation. That, to me, is what Christ told us over 2,000 years ago. That is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That is the eternal sin. That's the unforgivable sin. And to me, that is what's leading us to a, a path. That's for Because in this regard, remember, every patriot that's watching this, it goes to human events, watch Jack's podcast, sees us on Tim Pool, come to the war room, go to AmFest or watch Tucker. <laughs> we're winning this one. We are. We're, we're, we're taking this back. And it's because we've sat there and we focused on the lies and misrepresentation of Biden, the globalists, and we're going to win this fight. Uh, that, I'm as sure as the turning of the earth. The other one, that question's still out there. And that's going to be a tough one because in this regard, the entire apparatus is a lie against you, right? It is a lie against you. And it's so powerful and so overwhelming. And this is where we, this is really the empire strikes back. And it's going to be incredibly important for people to understand it deeply and to see that this is a line of demarcation. A thousand years from now, when they've forgotten everything that we fought for here on many different aspects, the one thing they will talk about is that this were this these were the last years or decades of Homo sapiens. And that's what this age will be known as. And it's to me very important that we're on the right side of the football. We're on the side of football that uh, divine providence uh, that we're on the side of the angels in this one. And it is a deep uh, fight, a battle, and nothing more important. Probably, I say this reservedly, in the history of mankind. Because, look, when I when I say, you know, when I see people like the CCP embracing these types of technologies, they don't have the same kind of moral guardrails that, that the West does, or the West did at one point, right? They don't have the Christian background. They don't have the ethos. They don't have the Bible. They have, we want to win. How do we win? You take these policies. You know it better than anybody. They're atheists. They're hardcore atheist materialists. They, they go this and they say they want Taiwan. So they take, this is why, they take, but this is why life extension is so big. Remember, we believe that this is just an interim step. We're here for yes. a period of time of human yes. agency. We have eternal This is not eternity. Events. We have eternal life on the other side, right? Even the Hindus, that they think of cycles, but they think of of the other life spiritually for a atheistic materialist when it ends remember what remember what uh Robespierre and these guys put on the cemeteries over in revolutionary france the, here lies eternal sleep it's over it's done there's nothing else once it ends it ends that is the core of atheistic marxist materialism right but so also Jack, well also right. also there's no judgment there is because this is this is the key difference, right? It's not just eternity and you get passed on and then okay, you get to go to heaven. No, 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 no. It's eternity in one place or another. And yes. that's the key difference is that yes. what we do here, it's you know, the old line, right? What we do here echoes in eternity, right? The way you live your life, there's and and this is the and for me personally, you know, it's what I always say is is one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be brought before those gates and the you know my my yeah. guardian angel will be there and he said here's all the things you did well and then and then satan will be there and he said here's all this stuff too and he's going to have every single thing listed he's going to have a big book and god will be there and he said posobic i gave you a platform i gave you the ability to talk to all it. these people what did you do with it did you bring them to me yeah. did you right. bring them to me weighed and measured we'll be looking for mercy not justice <laughs> wait, <laughs> oh yeah wait 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 and measure no you're 100 percent correct and that's why but if you're an atheist that that's not 
You want to extend. You There's want, no breaks. You want, you want this life extended in perpetuity. Look, Project Veritas, when they did the Facebook hit, the guy at Facebook was trying to impress the girl. If you look at the three or four episodes he had, he's talking about how they, they were involved in politics and everything about Zuckerberg and Zuckerbucks and all the things like that. But at the end, he said, he said the big, he said the real thing. By the way, Zuckerberg and his wife don't spend all that much time. What they're really focused on is life extension, immortality. This is where most of this money is going in transhumanism is, is life extension for the elites. And also, yeah, you think the La Bajing is going to get that? No, 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 no. I don't think the La Bajing. No, you're, get- you're the fuel cell for the Elysium. This is how they institute Elysium, by the way. They're up in Elysium and everybody else is down here plugged into Neuralink and Zuckerverse. Look. Jane Goodall said the private part out loud the other day. She's interviewed and she goes, well, they say she's talking about carrying capacity. And that's a concept I've heard them use behind the scenes. In fact, when we restructured the biosphere, I got to know uh, back in the 90s that a ton of major players that became major players today. And they used to talk about the carrying capacity of the earth. I was going, what are you talking about? And said, well, it's not. They want a earth that has somewhere between 500 million and a billion people in it, right? Mm. That's what they said. And closer to 500 million. Jane Goodall said they said they should give an interview and they go, well, what's the perfect, you know, they're talking about the environment. They said, well, things are so polluted. What's the perfect uh, stabilization number for the earth? And she goes, oh, it's probably in the year 1500. When the year 1500, there are 500 million people on earth. That's their goal. 500 million people, all elitists in Elysium, Elysium, right? And the rest of it's robots. It ain't humans. And that's where we're going. And that is not a conspiracy. You can see that in their literature. You can see that that's what they're driving for. This is as obvious as the as as anything in, in clarity. This is what is going to be a massive, massive battle. And you're going to see people reforming, reforming uh, coalitions and alliances about this. One of the first things about human augmentation, there's this new article that we've got up, uh, you know, last week in the uh, in, on the site. Uh, right before Christmas was was um, that um, about human augmentation. One of the guys who's not on our side of the football is arguing human augmentation's already started, and and the start of that was the was the uh, experimental gene therapy that was the mRNA vi- uh, vaccine. Oh wow! He said that. He said, "Oh yeah." He well, so it's, so the, the idea is right. So it's normalized, right? So you've normalized the ability that you take something that allows your body to change your cells. And of course, you know, it was done for proper purposes and spike proteins, et cetera, et cetera. But now people say, oh yeah, I did that other thing. This is, you you know, that was fine. Now, where do we go next? But Steve, so I'm looking at the clock. We're down to our last 10 minutes. Okay. We just, we went, we went pretty dark. We went pretty dark right there. But as we're going into this, as we're going into the new year, right? We need to tell people what do they do? They're hearing this stuff. This is all out there. It's Elon it's simple, Musk. It's Everyone's simple, pushing simple. it. You, you, you saw Where's it at AmFest. You saw it at AmFest. You see what you do every day. It's human agency and engagement. You're going to be weighed and measured by, think about it. There's been a hundred, uh, there's roughly been 114 to 125 billion uh, homo sapiens on this planet in its how many billion years? Why did divine providence put you in this place, in this time and place, right here, in the, in the Judeo-Christian West, and quite frankly, in the greatest country that this earth, this planet's ever known, with more access and ability to information and to, uh, and to knowledge, and not just that, to compatriots. 
it's human agency. You have to get engaged. And quite frankly, you have to take it up a notch. The way out of here is very simple. If we have a cadre of dedicated, right, a vanguard of dedicated, focused, intelligent, hard as nails individuals, we will not only save this nation, we will save the entire Judeo-Christian West. And in saving the Judeo-Christian West and, and being faithful to the core tenets of that civilization, we will save mankind. And so I, and I'm not trying to be too grandiose. That is what's on the table right now. That, that is the stakes right now. And if you don't do it, if people in this audience don't do it, it's over. If people in this audience get engaged and stay engaged and have the same sense of urgency, energy, and action, 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 we can pull this off. We can save it. But it's only if, only if this cadre and this vanguard is formed. I like what I see. I'm incredibly optimistic. I come down every day. I get up every day. I'm working 20 hours a day. I would like to work 24 hours a day, but I'm still a homo sapien. But my point is that we did. I, by the way, real quick on that. Did I overhear once that you kind of do the Edison thing where you're not sleeping eight hours a night, but you're sleeping in, you know, a little bit here, like when you're on deployment and you only have have to get like, I still do that. I do. I do. I do. Are you still doing that? I do four hours. I get up, I do an hour reading, spiritual reading, and then I go back for my other four. I do. I've done that. The Navy got me in. I was in military school, but the Navy got me into the standing all the mid watches and the broken watches. But that was that was even I mean, prior to the invention of, you know, electricity and electric light, that that was normal. Right. So people would you would go to bed at sundown and then the candles. Hey, well, candles are expensive. Oil's expensive. Wax is expensive. So you might only light that for a little while. You're going down, but you're getting up one in the morning, two in the morning. You do. And that's when you hear about the what they used to call it, the small hours. Right. That's why they call it the small hours, because you're only there for a little bit. You're going back. And there's no this whole idea of eight hours, you know, all night. And no, this is not a MyPillow promo, but, you know. <laughs> You know, but all um, you know, well, every, anytime I talk about sleep, I think about it now, but that, that actually is a modern, you know, kind of modern conception. That's something that we, we all take for granted now, but our ancestors were, were never doing anything like that. That is because of technology. And it's a way that there's something that we wouldn't even consider to question that for the majority of human history was not the way people live their lives. Look, we can't all be Jack Posobiec, but we can use Jack Posobiec as a as a marker. One of the things I'm I'm in, incredibly impressed with you, Jack. I can get up anytime, it hit my hit my device or go to my device and check your Twitter feed, and it's not just the engagement of what's happening; it's the breadth of of ideas that you cover. That's what we need to do. That you need you need to be. This needs to be an immersive experience. So people out there that want to know, and all you need is a vanguard. 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people. Look, Christ started with 12. Remember, he started with 12 that nobody really showed up at the crucifixion. They all departed the pattern. But Christ changed world history with just a handful of a handful of people. We can do this. And you look at Posobic, when you look at Posobic's Twitter feed or getter feed, you see someone that's immersed in it. And that's what I think you have to do. Remember, one piece of advice I can give you. When you check out and you got to go stand and deliver with your final report, you know, with your your guardian angel and then the, the bad guys on the other side, when you're you're arguing your case, you want to leave it all on the field. And that's if we have the people at Amfest and other people that are galvanizing around these concepts, if you completely dedicate yourself, become make it an immersive experience and commit that you're going to leave it all on the field, 
first off, you'll all of a sudden, you'll feel this great surge of energy and, hey, I have task and I have purpose. And if you leave it all on the field, we're going to win this thing. But that's the only way we're going to live it. We can't, we can't, you're not going to be able to phone this in. We're not going to be able to talk this through. This is going to take action and it's going to take a lot of action over a sustained period of time. But if we get that, we'll win. One thing that I was actually saying earlier today, I was speaking to a group of uh, young people, people who have been sort of nominated as Turning Point Ambassadors. And it was a private thing. And they, they asked, you know, what do we do to affect culture? And I said, you know, and we got to talking to, and someone actually asked us about metaverse and, you know, how do we respond to that? And I said, it's, it's clear. It's so clear. Embrace life in its fullness, in its richness, live life to its fullest to take, you know, what you just said, leave everything out on the table, right? When, when I'm with my kids, when I'm with my family, when I'm raising them, when I'm teaching our traditions, my family's traditions, when we pray in Latin, and I know that there were members of my family that were praying to their kids in Latin for a thousand years, right? And you realize that you are part of that unbroken tapestry going all the way back, right? That these are the traditions that sustained us. This is what life is all about. And guess what? You know, we are all going to check out one day. And so I said to them, look, you don't have to be on Twitter and Getter and everything else 100 hours a day like I am, right? But if you're out there, you're living your life, you're living that traditional role, you are standing up, you're finding your purpose, you're finding that task, you're fighting this thing, and you just show, you just be a beacon. You be that beacon in this world when there's so much darkness. This, I really believe, I mean, everybody has different vocations, right? Some people are called to the parenthood. Some people are called to the priesthood. Some people are called to, um, you know, this way of life to sort of be truth tellers. John the Baptist was a truth teller. We saw, of course, what happened to him because, and remember, I always say this, by the way, John the Baptist was not beheaded because he hated Herod or because he hated the king. He was beheaded because he, for the love of of truth, for the love of speaking the truth when nobody else would. That's why he paid that price, but that's why we know that he's in heaven today. At the same time, at the very same time, people are called to different things. People, There's prayer warriors. There's so many prayer warriors out there that are called. My grandmother, Steve, I never told you this, actually. My grandmother used to wake up. She had a weird sleep schedule. She would go to bed at like 8 p.m. We were just talking sleep schedules. But then she would wake up at like 1 or 2 in the morning, and then she would just be up for the rest of the day. And wow. what she would do is she had a notebook. And in that notebook, she would have a, the names written down of every single person that she could think of that she wanted to pray for. And it was just hundreds and hundreds of names. And she would say a prayer for every single person just going down that list. And some of it would be abstract, like praying for the country or praying for children or praying for, praying for people in need, you know, praying for uh, victims of horrific crimes and trafficking and, and drug abuse and mental, uh, you know, mental challenges and, and everything else. And she would go through and pray for every single one of them. And this was a vocation. I really believe it was a vocation that was given to her. And you would, you know, sometimes we find out, we say, oh, grandma forgot, left her notebook downstairs again. She lived with us when we were little. And I think that there's so much that goes on and that people don't realize is going on in the Chinese house churches underneath the wicked regime of the CCP over there. The prayers that are happening of the Uyghurs that are in the concentration camps, the prayers that are going on throughout the country. I really do feel... And, you know, I'll ask you the question before, as we're heading out here. I feel like God is about to make a move and to make himself known. And I think that somewhere within the next couple of months, next couple of years, something will happen where we're going to say that was not done by man. That was done by a higher power. 
I think you see that in the 16 campaign with Trump's victory. I actually think you see it in the big steal. I think you see it out at Amfest in Phoenix. I think he's, I think that divine providence is he's gathering. He's gathering, manifesting himself through uh, this cadre. And that's why that you're called to this work. Look, everybody could go do something different and make a lot more money and have a lot <laughs> easier life, make a lot easier life. This is if, if you knew how much money they were throwing at me when I was in Shanghai and they said, you speak Mandarin, you understand U.S. politics, come stay here, you work in this one, you work for Disney, you work this client, that client, American Chamber, you know, and that's why I love when people say, oh, Pazovic's just doing this for money. Are you kidding me? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Do you have any idea? I, mean, I, I would have been a multimillionaire by the time I was 25 if I'd stayed. Easily, easily. I know people who are. I know people who are, but that wasn't for me. Well, that's because you're in the fight. That's because you're Jack Posobiec and got those two great kids and 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 Tony, you married up. As we oh, say. tell me about it. Thank you so much for having me uh, on the show. Love, I love human events daily. Love Steve, where world. where do you want people? I mean, I think everybody knows where to find you, but um, you know, just go, I'm on I'm on Getter. It's the only time I've ever gone. You know, I'm trying to be Jack Posobiec, and I check my numbers every day to make sure I'm a bigger influencer than Jack Posobiec. Oh, is, oh, you're doing the get well because Jason has right. He showed me the spreadsheet before. But he hasn't showed it to me in a while. Am I dropping down? Is that what it is? No, he, he did it so that Jason and I could catch up with you. Oh, <laughs> he's always oh, he's, re- you he's fortifying Dinesh, it. He's fortifying you, you, the numbers. You, you, is that you, it? You and Dinesh, you and Dinesh, you and Dinesh were like we're like the power couple. We're, we're, uh-huh. I said, Jason, we got to learn how to do this. Let's not publish this for a while. Let's not show Dinesh and, and Pratsovic until we're at least we're at least within hollering distance. Keep <laughs> <laughs> headed on Getter, and uh, obviously just go to the war room, but. Uh, we're, we're on it 24 seven. All right, Steve, well, God bless you. And we're going to be continuing to pray for you. And, and, um, I don't know if I ever said this publicly, but thank you. Thank you for so much for everything you've done for, for me, for my family, for giving me a voice, for having me as first guest on war room pandemic, just talking China and everything else. And here we are, it's been two years. You believe that it's been two years, uh, almost, you know, anniversary since the first war room pandemic. And look where we are now. Still in the pandemic. Look, Jack, you're a special guy. You've done some extraordinary stuff, and uh, you got a lot more runway ahead of you. But uh, g- just great work uh, with Charlie and the team, and uh, great work on human events, and all your team there, and of course the podcast, everything. And obviously, you're the you're a beloved uh, you're a beloved uh, member of the War Room uh, team. So thanks. Well, and as I say at the end of every episode, ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore. <laughs>